0: Today I'm joined in by Jim Whitehurst, our CEO, and by Luis Vassoso, our CFO. But before we begin, I want to note that today's discussion contains forward-looking statements, including statements about goals, business outlook, industry trends, market opportunities, expectations for future financial performance, and similar items, all of which are subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions. Now You can find more information about these risks and uncertainties in the risk factors section of our filings at sec.gov. And actual results may differ, and we take no obligation to revise or update any forward-looking statements. Finally, during today's meeting, we will discuss non-GAAP financial measures. Now, these non-GAAP financial measures are in addition to and not a substitute for or superior to measures of financial performance prepared in accordance with GAAP. A full reconciliation of GAAP to non-GAAP is available in our shareholder letter and on the sec.gov website. Great. So let me uh, turn the call over to Jim to kind of make some opening comments.
1: All right. Well, thank you. And uh, let me uh, say good afternoon to everyone and thank you for joining us on today's call. Uh, We released our Q3 earnings today as well as the shareholder letter um, that describes our results. I assume you've all read that. Uh, So let me just highlight three quick points uh, before we get into Q&A. First off, I've been at Unity now for about a month. And I have to say I'm so impressed with the passion uh, both inside the company and more broadly in our community. And that is unquestionably a good thing that we elicit so much passion from our community. It shows the level of engagement that we have and the importance uh, of, uh, of the role of unity uh, in our community. It's our job now to focus that on a, the most important task. Uh, which is to build a best-in-class platform that help makes creators more successful from start to finish, from design to monetization. Second, the world has changed, and we're changing with it. We've taken some good first steps to bring expenses down, changing Unity from a money-losing uh, to a cash-flow-positive company in less than a year. That's a good first step, but frankly, we're examining the company from top to bottom, uh, ensuring that we transform Unity into an even more nimble and focused business, and I'm sure we'll talk more about that. And third, once we position Unity to succeed, we need to accelerate growth. We'll get there by focusing on large growing markets, but most importantly by doubling, if not tripling down, on building amazing technology that helps our customers succeed. If we do that, growth and profitability naturally flow from that. So with that, let me turn the call over to Richard. Great. Well, thanks a lot. Um, so maybe what we'll do, which we've
0: done in the past is we kind of get inbound questions during the quarter and things like that. So Maybe we'll kind of hit the, like the two most common questions we often get. And I'll, we'll start with Jim and then we'll go to Luis and then we'll go to open Q and A and things like that. So for Jim. You know if you kind of step back, you know what what do you see and I know you've been you know short term here for a month, but I you know, maybe it's fair or not, but what, what do you see the company looking like in three to five years what what would you what's your vision
1: yeah sure um and let me start off saying you know I, I had experience in a company uh building a business as part of a broad community, so I naturally come back and focus on how we think about community. So if I just put that simply in five years, I want us to be the trusted leader of a community of creators building on our technology. And because of that, we'll be an indispensable partner for game creators to build, operate and profit from their creations. That alone is a hundreds of billions of dollar market. Secondly, our technology, and this is one of the things coming from enterprise I've been so impressed with, is incredibly relevant to enterprises. And so the second piece of that is I'd like to see our technology as the default choice for enterprises and individuals to create and interact with uh, uh, with 3D content. Um Again, that is a tremendous untapped potential uh, as well. And so if we can do those two things, be an inde- defensible partner, kind of a leader in helping uh, game developers, and being the 3D visualization technology that the world comes to, um, that's a really exciting business.
0: Great. And then, uh, Luis, you know, it's addressed to some degree in the shareholder letter, but could you kind of explain some of the key uh, interventions that are being considered? Sure. Thank you,
2: Richard. You know, we started a comprehensive assessment of our product portfolio several weeks ago, and we're evaluating every product in our portfolio through, I would say, three lenses. First, are we meeting our customer need in a unique way that differentiates us from others? Second, are we able to grow revenue, expand the margins, and generate free cash flow at attractive levels? And third, is the opportunity large enough and sustainable to build a meaningful business over time? And while we're making great progress in this evaluation and planning, it is still early to share more specifics. Now, what you can expect is that we will be making changes to our product portfolio this quarter in Q4, and we expect the full implementation of the changes to be completed by the end of Q1. As Jim said, we're also continuing to adjust our cost structure to improve margins, and this will lead to a reduction in force, a reduction in office locations, which we will be announcing over the next few months.
0: Back to you, Richard. Great. Thanks very much. Okay, now we can open it up to uh, Q&A from the analysts. So, uh, Thomas, if you can see the people that are in the queue and uh, we can drop them in there. Maybe we answered all the good questions. (laughs) Oh, there we go. Dylan. Yeah. Dylan Becker at William Blair. Thank you very much.
3: Awesome. Hey guys. Thanks. Um, Jim, maybe starting with you, I think in the the shareholder letter, obviously there's a lot of focus on narrowing scope and, and the focus here, but Looking at it a month in, maybe some there's some initiatives underway, but how you're seeing the business relative, again to maybe some of your past experiences and the opportunity to drive that efficiency that you've done, um, maybe utilize some of the, the the prior playbook you've seen.
1: Yeah, and look, uh, thank you, Dylan. A great question. I don't, I want to always be careful not too much drawing uh, parallels, but frankly, there is a lot of parallel to this. And frankly, when I first got to Red Hat, which is Red Hat had a industry-leading product with Red Hat Enterprise Linux, but was spending a tremendous amount of time doing five or six or seven other things. And it's not just the expense associated with it, it is the management time and attention, and more broadly, the clarity of focus throughout the organization that you get from doing fewer things. Um, Frankly, where, where you are winning and have a right to win and so, I do see parallels there, just very very simply you know we're we're doing a lot of things, and we obviously have a leading you know share product uh that's growing- very nicely um and so and then there are some extensions off of that which are actually fit in well with good synergies, but frankly, we're doing a lot of other things, and so one is just i think there's a very similar to red hat let's start off narrowing down, make sure we are on our path to achieving the full potential of our core business before we get too busy doing other things that aren't directly tied to that. And then number two is just, you know, sharpening our execution. You know I think obviously there's a, uh, a natural evolution of companies where, you know, you start off, you get kind of product market fit, you're trying to experiment, and so you're running a lot of experiments around you're less focused on driving effectiveness and efficiency, and I think we're to the point where, you know, markets voted. We got a couple of really leading products, whether that's the engine and runtime, whether that's uh, our core uh, kind of monetization stack, and we need to focus down, put the right KPIs in place, tighten our belts, and execute into those things. Um, and as we do that, we have a solid, profitable business that we can scale um, it, from these leading positions. And so it is a little similar to Red Hat, both in terms of, a, you know, leading product but doing a bunch of other things and losing focus and, you know, just naturally not being at the, the, the point until now of really looking to kind of build an effect, efficient and effective operating model around those things. And so I think those are the two big ones that feel very, very similar. Also equally incredibly passionate, brilliant people who are deeply dedicated uh, in a uh, in a deeply mission driven company and so when you have that, your ability to execute when people are aligned and passionate about what you do is just so much easier and that definitely shared with red hat sure, awesome okay, uh,
3: helpful color there, and then maybe two I think you guys called out a lot of the synergies you're seeing within the grow um, solution based and the importance of iron source and level play there, but maybe it's a little early to call out from a product perspective too, but you, you did mention tightening the integration between kind of create and grow, but how you think about that synergistic value coming together across the platform over time too?
1: Thanks. Yeah, I'll, I'll start. And Luisa, if you want to add, so, you know, for, first off really working to, um, build an operating model that draws value in both kind of data and across uh, create and grow. I think we can do a better job of doing that. You know, we've been working on the integration of just, you know, kind of people and things, but really building the flywheel uh, there is an area I think we can kind of double down our focus on, uh, which has a lot of value. The other is just, you know, together, you know, those two things are what drives, uh, uh developer, game developer success. And we're still a little bit because we're still in the middle of the integration disjointed and in having a, a single view of our customers so we can go talk about how we can help them best create Uh, value from development all the way through to monetization. And we have kind of those two pieces, and it's just a time to get those kind of fully pulled together to have single view of customer ability to engage and talk about how we can create value across that life cycle with our kind of portfolio of offerings. So there's kind of the operational data-ish, I want to say, stuff, and then there's the broader, you know, single view of customer and being able to act that way set of stuff.
2: Yeah, I agree, Jim. And if I were to add something, I would just say this is unique to us, right? We, we're the only company that has both create and operate or grow businesses, and, and that's very valuable to to us and to our customers. And remember, we have over 70% market share on the editor, particularly on mobile. So that gives us a very strong base to build upon.
3: Very yeah, helpful. Cool. Thanks, guys. And
0: then, uh yep, uh, Michael Funk at uh, uh Bank of America yeah th- thank you thank you richard um yeah and, and jim i really i appreciate the uh the brass tacks um opening letter today as well um but just wondering um you know you did mention that there was a limited impact from the pricing change um and bled over into the fourth quarter um what what have you been doing to reach out to the game developers and rebuild that trusted relationship with them?
1: Well, a couple of, obviously, I've been talking to a number uh, uh, of them. And, you know, it's one of these, I think, almost all of them uh, that I've talked to or others that I've talked to in Unity who've talked to them start off, You know, with game developers who were upset by the first action, once you actually get people to focus on the next set of things we did, the first thing you hear is like, oh, okay, well, that all makes sense. I'm actually good with that. So the changes we then went back and tweaked I think helped a lot. But honestly, the biggest thing that helps is when we talk about the future feature velocity we're driving. I was uh, uh, talking with – um, someone here who had just met with the game developer, it started off very, very negative. But as soon as we started getting into some of the features we're driving, all of a sudden they went from, we don't even want to deal with you, to, ooh, can we be an early beta customer? And can we actually potentially get in there and help draw some feature set into that? That's right what we're trying to do. So I think the most important thing is we can talk. Uh, I've been saying this internally uh, at, at Unity quite a bit, having dealt with communities uh, in, in the past, is we can talk all we want but our behaviors are what will rebuild trust. And the behaviors are how we make decisions going forward and how we are taking those dollars and reinvesting them efficiently and effectively to build a, you know extraordinary product. And so Unite next week, we'll have a number of product launches and I think really kind of focusing on the value we're delivering. Um, we'll kind of get that buzz replacing kind of noise around, well, what are they doing?
0: And, and one more, if I could, um, I think a lot of investors are, wondering about the decision to pull guidance for for the year um, what was that based on your view of best practices as a new ceo coming in and
1: assessing the business well or i'll tell you that, my, that my view all the numbers yeah no and a lot of people are grumpy about that um, <laughs> um look the problem um when you are looking to you know bluntly wind down or or get rid of some businesses, which, you know, is part of what we'll do is the longer you wait to do it, the better your revenue looks in the short run. And I want zero incentive for anybody here to slow anything down. We need to move and we need to move fast. And the faster we move, uh, the better shape we are. So we will plumb it all out after the fact for you. You'll know exactly, you know, we'll be completely transparent. But what I don't want to have happen is people say, well, we kind of guided this. And so if we just wait another month before we do that, you know, maybe we don't close that till, you know, January 1 instead of, you know, November 30th, you know, you can make the numbers look better. But I want to emphasize we got to move fast and we got to be decisive and we're going to emerge I will say i think we're sandbagging when we say by the end of q1 i'm hoping we can do it a lot faster than that the faster we can get these things done the faster we um, have kind of reset and we are focused uh, the better and i want zero incentive for anybody to do anything but that so it was not a popular move i can tell you to to say we weren't going to do it but i think it's better to move fast and then be transparent after the fact and i promise you after that we will be reset we'll be confident in our numbers and we will provide guidance for q1 in the year and give you all the color and clarity you want. Uh, I just, in this period of time, I think it's important that we have no barriers to moving fast.
4: Great. Thank you for that, Jim.
0: Great. And then uh, next is uh, Brian Fitzgerald at uh, Wells. Uh, thanks guys. I had a couple, if I could, on um, UGS, uh, letter noted, tough year of year comps, just hoping you give sense for, um, how that business performed relative to expectations for the quarter, and, and whether there is anything waiting on that part of the business, and and maybe second one follow up to that is, can you comment uh, at all on iron source cross sell opportunity and and where you think the business stands um, right now? Uh, when you say in the shareholder letter that um, the company is is not achieving the synergies and, and that that exists across the portfolio, are Are we right to assume that um, that's what you're talking about there, or or maybe um, that's where the softness in UGS comes from?
2: Yeah, I think – go ahead, Jim. Do you want to – Well, no, you go ahead and
1: start. If you want to kind of give performance versus expectations, I'll give you a sense of what I meant by that not performing across –
2: yeah, I mean, we, we we don't want to single out any business because we're not ready to share specifics on whether a business is inside of outside of the portfolio choices. But I will I will address your question, UGS. No, frankly, we didn't have the quarter we expected on the business, right? And and therefore, I'll be very transparent about that. And we need to continue to drive our our business and grow
1: faster. So I'll 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 give you that piece. I mean, I'll just say I'll, I'll, I will use that as an example. When I say that, I actually mean broadly across the portfolio, but I'll pick on UGS. I think UGS has been quite successful selling into gaming. But if you actually look at the correlation between, um, say, something like multiplayer and Unity, made with Unity games, it's actually quite low. And so what I want to make sure that we're doing is win where we have the right to win, which is around our Unity ecosystem. So I'm not saying it's awful revenue to go sell multiplayer and uh, 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 a a, um, uh, uh, Unreal-based game, but fundamentally the place where we have the right to win and should win is things around Unity. And so what I'm looking at across our portfolio is making sure the things that we do are self-reinforcing. The things that we do make Unity games better, and people using Unity make it really, really easy to use our other things and get that flywheel going. So if you look at our Correlation between some of our other services in the engine—they're not as tight as I would like. To make sure we make it really easy for our devs to use our things and make our things make Unity uh, made with Unity games even better—and that extends across again. We talked a little bit. You know, we're, 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 we've made progress in integrating Iron Source, but a lot of that's getting the core stuff together now. Getting the flywheel that we think we can do of the real synergies between the editor uh, and the runtime and uh, the the uh, the grow business is something we are just getting kicked off, and, you know, I'm, I'm the type, I want to have a weekly meeting on what's the progress, what are we doing, why, when's it going to be done, and we've been more focused on the integration than on really getting the synergy flywheel going, and so that's something we're kicking off in earnest.
2: Yeah, Brian, as we've talked before, what we're seeing is good synergies of grow within grow, unity and our own source. So that's working well. Technologies, capabilities, that data, that's growing well. But as Jim is saying, they create to grow is where we need to sharpen the pencil and do a better job going forward.
0: Got it. Thanks. Thanks, Luis. Thanks, Jim. Great. And, uh, next is, uh, Clark Lampen at BTIG.
3: Thanks very much. Um, I've got two, please. Uh, Jim, maybe we can start big picture with sort of a view of the engine market. I understand you've only been with Unity for a short period of time, but one of the big questions we get from investors around that piece of the business is how you start to close the gap between really high and fairly dominant developer share and your revenue share at present. Is a variable rate model like runtime really the key to unlocking that upside or are there other adjustments that as you look at that business you think need to be made to ensure it can grow?
1: Well, I think there's a lot. And by the way, we haven't even started on the industry side, which I would actually argue is a larger market than the gaming market for us, but we can come back around on that. Um, So first off, um, you know – the gaming market is a lower margin market. So when you start it at one pri- price point and you want to change it, you're obviously going to get some, um, s- some, some backlash. So the way I'd rather think about it is if you think about development all the way through to operating a game is a hundred billion dollar market, right? We're, you know, a very, very, very small, less than 1% share of, the, of, the, of that. Um, so, our ability to do things like whether it's driving to devops or automated testing or if you think about other things that 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 uh that a developer shop especially teams of developers do thinking about kind of security thinking about compliance identity management there's a whole set of things where we're not raising price on what we're doing but we are looking at the costs around what someone does when they're working with us, um, he has a tremendous opportunity just on the development side. And then obviously on the operate side, you know, continuing to look for places where, frankly, we have a right to win because of the strength of, um, you know, our editor and runtime and our ability to understand what people are doing and how in uh, the un- uniqueness around that. Um, I, I think the runtime fee is important for multiple reasons. One is internally to have people recognize there's value in the runtime right? And so if nothing else, it makes it much easier interni- internally, managerially saying we need to drive more velocity into the runtime and the, f- and the-, the feature functionality around that. Um, I know you can kind of conceptually say you do it, but it's much easier when there's actually revenue associated with it. And frankly, I think it's easier uh, to explain to customers, um, you know, uh, that you're paying for something, but look at the value and now we can accelerate value around that. So I think Making the runtime not like, a you know, kind of a, a second-order citizen in how we think about monetization uh, is important. I think, you know, going forward, thinking about especially on the industry side – um where you know run times themselves, whether it's the exact runtime or more or, or more broadly what that looks like in feature velocity and that, you know, having a price around that and how you think about that as you scale out, uh I think it's uh, important. So, you know, we can get into the specifics around the runtime pricing and kind of what model and you know what types of games, et cetera, et cetera. But I think the concept that The the runtime has value, and so we have a price on the runtime uh, is healthy all around for how we run the business.
3: Understood. And I guess, you know, there's a lot in flux, I guess, as you guys are exploring sort of interventions, as you mentioned in the shareholder letter. One of the things that does seem to be consistent, you know, moving forward in terms of focus is AI. I'm curious if you could give us an update on the Muse and Centus products. Um, How has the closed beta gone so far? When do you think realistically those tools could exit beta and if you have any thoughts around um, commercialization that you'd be willing to share uh, on this call, it would be appreciated also Thanks
1: well, my first reaction will be, how about coming to Amsterdam next week to Unite <laughs> and you will hear a whole lot about that uh, uh, and kind of the things we're doing uh, more bright uh, more broadly. I mean, honestly, I mean, I'll let Luis, if you want to comment, but I think given everything we're saying at Unite, we don't want to kind of front-run that here today, so uh, stay tuned and, uh, and or come join us in Amsterdam. Yeah, the only thing I would say is, while Jim
2: didn't say much, you can see in his tone kind of how excited he is, so you can take something
0: away from that, so it's very exciting.
3: Understood. Thank you, guys.
0: Great. Okay, next is uh, Cash Rangan. Cash.
5: Goldman. He, uh, I don't know if you can see me, Jim, but, uh.
1: I can so see good. your picture. I can't see you. It's good to hear from you. It's been a while.
5: I know. It's been a while. It's been a while. And, uh, I don't know what is it that you use to, to, to keep your persona exactly unchanged in the
1: past 50 years. <laughs> uh,
5: you look exactly the same as you did when I first met you. I think it was 2008 when you took over. Oh, wow. uh, we had
1: A good filter on the camera.
5: I know. That, that definitely helps that I, I can see that. I can see that. So clearly, a lot to digest um, coming to the company. Um, one is is what are the chances you would take the job permanently in the next uh, six months or so? Uh, it's, a, it's a tough question, but or maybe it's not a tough. It's a very easy one. And secondly, you, you hinted at uh, tighter integration and tighter synergies between the uh, the create and grow businesses. Uh, can you can you expand a little bit more? Uh, on on that particular thought and where where do we go with that uh, increased synergy and how does it manifest itself? Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. So, so uh, on the first question, I want to be respectful of the board the board running a process. So, you know, I think as they said, they want to run a process and, um, so I want to be careful about anything I say because, you know, if I say I'm a candidate, that kind of screws it up. If I say I'm not, that kind of mess up. So I'm just not saying anything on it, so sorry, Cash. I um, I really just want to respect the board, the process um, uh, that they're going through. So um, I, I hate to duck a question, but I'm going to duck that one, not because I'm not willing to answer, but I want to respect the board, the process they're going through. Uh, in terms of uh, more tight integration, like, look, we have a lot of information about how games work and how engagement works. So we start thinking broadly what what we're trying to do is help game developers maximize their success. And I know for some that's just great art, but for others it's making money, and that's kind of where the monetization, the ad piece comes in. And we actually think with what we kind of understand about uh, how people play games and the analytics that uh, we already provide uh, to some extent uh, to developers um, who use our analytics products on how the uh, engine works and how engagement works and how people are, are using games. Um, we think if we can get a flywheel going with that to do a better job of helping them, you know, monetize their ad space, and obviously we profit from that. So we think there's quite a bit there. Uh, that we can continue to build on. Um, and, you know, we're like literally early, early, early days in that with a with a long road, roadmap of things we're excited about.
5: Awesome. Thank you so much. All the very best.
1: Thank you. It's great to chat. Look forward to meeting you live again soon. Likewise. <laughs> great. And uh,
4: Josh Tilton at uh, Wolf. Amazing. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I got two, actually. My first one is, can you guys maybe give us a sense or a flavor for what is left to cut at the business? Since I know that we already did some layoffs previously um, and maybe how do you like what gives you guys the confidence or how do you guys plan on maintaining that passion internally that you just talked about uh, as you look to become a more leaner business?
1: Uh, well, I mean, I'll, I'll start there. You know, <laughs> I came from the airline business. So, um, you know, very, very much, um, you know, kind of focus on making sure that we're kind of operationally optimized. Um, look, I, I actually feel like when, when you actually get, efficient, and effective, and part of that is just building an operating model and organizational structure to support the core business that you're you're in, Um, you naturally get much more efficient doing that. And so while it is painful uh, in the sense that we will have fewer people, I think the people will hear will be very inspired by the mission and what we're going to do is uh is all around kind of uh, our mission and our values and you get engaged as you see success and profitable and growing um I feel very very good that uh, you know because we come out of this phase you know, people are going to be both inspired uh, by what we're doing and uh, proud of the success that we're able to generate. Look, it's just a—it's a different model to, uh, to to versus saying let's spend a lot and hope revenue ultimately passes that and you make money. It's a little bit more. Let's get efficient and effective and optimize our business and then scale from there. And so, you know, this I'll call it a reset is a bit of that. Like, let's get efficient and effective. Let's build an operating model uh, that fits the the businesses we're in. And then the businesses we're in, luckily, have a lot of growth in them, and so we scale from there. So while it's painful in the reset, I think come very soon, coming out of that, I think people will be able to see we're better able to deliver against our core mission, and, and, and we're winning.
2: Yeah. On, on uh, your first question, what I would say is, you know, which was your, your, your question was, how do we keep on finding opportunities to optimize our cost structure? So I would say number one, we're making different portfolio choices, right? And as you focus the portfolio, then obviously as you exit businesses, you can continue to drive efficiencies there. Second thing we're doing is we'll continue to drive synergies, you not know, between organizations within internally and drive efficiencies across the different teams, looking at lay, spans and layers and levels and everything else. And last, we're taking another very sharp look at GNA. And how do we continue to drive GNA so that most of the dollars can drive the products that our customers love and would drive our revenue margins and cash. So that's, that's what we're doing.
4: And if I could just uh, sneak one more in from an investor perspective, you know, there's been a string of some interesting news releases. Uh, obviously the decision not to guide uh, next quarter, or the full year is another, you know, I guess piece of interesting news that we have to grapple with. Um you know, there's still the there's still the uh, how do I say this? You're still going to guide for 24 next year, which will be another important catalyst for the stock. I understand that there's a, a lot of moving pieces and a lot of excitement around opportunities going forward. But is there anything you can just give us in terms of timeline of expectation for when you expect growth to kind of accelerate uh, to maybe help, you know, ease investors? Um, I don't know, worries around the lack of, you know, where the numbers are going in the near term.
1: Uh, I'll start with some comments, and, and Luis, you're probably better equipped to be able to answer specifically. Look, I think that uh, even as we get into next year, more focused execution generally uh, leads to, you know, Success in the marketplace. And so, you know, I'm thinking 24 already just being more focused. Uh, you'll see kind of improved growth performance. Um, and then again, we have a whole series of growth drivers that we need to go execute uh, against. Those, you know, we are working through as we kind of do the portfolio work. So we'll have to really talk about that more in 24. But, um, you know, when we get in January, February, I guess, the next time we speak with you, uh, we'll be able to give you a lot more detail around that. Um, but I am confident both seeing the size of the markets and our position in those markets. And, um, you know, and I'm also just confident without having all the plans laid out, but you know, f- for it that just more focused execution all the time. And all of my experiences I've seen leads to better performance on the revenue side. So yeah. I'm without the full numbers kind of ready to talk about I'm I'm, I'm confident in next year.
2: Totally agree. We'll give you more, fl- more uh, visibility, you know, with our Q4 earnings. So in a few months, uh, I think Jim mentioned the opportunity is big, the portfolios is right that we already have. You no, know, we just need to be more focused. And as Jim said, you know, we just need to execute. But we think we will we, we we're doing everything we can to have a very strong twenty twenty four. That's our goal.
4: Super helpful, guys. Thank you.
0: Hey, and then our uh our last question will be with uh Jason doesn't it, at City.
4: Uh thanks so much. Um
0: appreciate you coming in and making these changes so quickly, I just wondered, you know, there's obviously a a wide berth that you have in terms of how, how the magnitude of the changes that you might pursue in terms of pruning the portfolio, are there any guardrails, um, as you're going through these changes, i.e. no matter what happens, we don't want free cash to go negative, or no matter what happens, we don't want EBITDA to go negative, or, or is it really, you know, we may have to go through a period that's, you know, more difficult than some of those, you know, key financial metrics that the street cares about because it'll paint a better picture in 24 or 25.
1: Um, I I mean, I'll start. I mean, frankly, the the good news and the things that we're looking at, it's not like we're peeling off businesses that are, you know, highly EBITDA positive because they don't fit, right? I mean, we, I think in a good way, we're investing in a lot of things. And so this is more about looking at kind of Peeling off some things that we were doing that, uh, um, that frankly aren't profitable. So I don't think you're going to see a real dip at all, even this quarter. Um, uh, and, and certainly not uh, as we get into next year. But Luis, you're, you know, yeah, I think are... the
2: only, the only other thing I would add is we're not thinking about a long transition, right? Once decisions are made, which should be this quarter, we will start implementing this quarter, we'll be a hundred percent done next quarter, and that's it. It's not like a business model transition that takes a year or two years or three years to complete. These are things we, we're planning to do and execute now. Okay. And so the general yeah, I mean, I, I mean,
1: Q1 might be a little because we haven't finished it, but in other words, I wouldn't think our margins in Q2 would be that different than Q4 next year, right? I mean, this is a rip off the Band-Aid, reset, and then we're going.
3: Okay. okay. Super helpful. Thank you.
1: Well, that
0: That wraps it up, Jim, if you want to have some closing, you know, Two or, two or three say hello and then we'll be done.
1: <laughs> yeah. So look, look I, I really appreciate your time. Um, we, uh, I just want to emphasize again, um, that there, uh, you know, when I, frankly, bluntly, when I first, uh, uh, ag- agreed to come in when kind of got the call, I thought, okay, this, uh, this company has some opportunity. And, you know, I'm sure like a lot of companies, it you know, doing too much and there's some, some focus, but I have to say I have become more and more. Convicted in and excited about the long-term growth opportunities of the company um, uh, today than I was a month ago. I mean, this really is a very powerful, um, very defensible moat of technology. We didn't even get a chance to go into that. It's valuable in so many places, and it's a matter of really kind of picking you know, what is the pathway to focused execution, deliver results on one, add another, deliver on that, add another. So it's uh, – but the good news is um, because it is the nature of the technology and the fact that it is a platform business, um, it's – very highly defensible. Um, And and again, real-time 3D, which one could argue is interactive 3D. You know, we're really the only way to do that across myriad platforms at scale. And when you kind of think about the number of areas that makes sense, whether it is consumer products companies, whether that's Um, um, you know, industrial companies and visualization, obviously in gaming, um, I feel like we have a number of opportunities. Our key is not that. The key is making sure that we build a pathway to profitable growth uh, by executing each of those in in the appropriate order so we can continue to deliver, you know, results that you can see and be transparent about it. But, you know, clearly that opportunity is there.
0: Great. Well, thank you all, and uh, we'll see you in uh future weeks and months and uh, over time. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.